Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode where today we've got something different for you. We've got one of our landlords, Ellen, talking about how and why she became a landlord and how we feel that this may relate to a lot of our listeners out there. So, Mike, what are you looking forward to on this one? Yeah, it's a case study, effectively, and it's something a little bit different of falling into being a landlord, becoming an accidental landlord, or it being a case of using your property to actually mean you can move your life on rather than the standard buy to let because I've got some pension cash hanging around. So it's an interesting story. I think it's something that easily you said someone can really relate to. I think it's um, it's definitely a different story and I think it may benefit a lot of those that are sort of considering a move and I think it's something that, that may potentially help those listeners out there. So you ready? Yeah, absolutely. Let's bring her on. Welcome along to another episode of the Landlord Podcast with me, Mike, and Tristan from the Landlord page. Today joining us is Ellen, one of our landlords. Now, Ellen has become one of our landlords within the last six months, and we're going to go through the story of why she became a landlord, renting out her own home to move in with a new partner. So, Ellen, firstly, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, as we said, you become a landlord in the last six months. The term accidental landlord gets banded around. I think nobody finds a tenant by accident. <laughs> so the definition maybe is slightly wrong. But but what brought you into being a landlord? So it um, my flat that I lived in, it was my second home. Um, and it was never bought with the intention of being a buy-to-let. That's where I lived for six years, actually. Um, and I am now a landlord. I'm renting it out whilst I rent a property um, with my partner we both decided to rent our flats out instead of selling so potentially there should be a different word than landlord yeah or landlady, landlady. It's, a, it's a grandiose term in, in in what it is which conjures up the idea of the the investor who owns tens of thousands of properties with a bentley and uh, and, and lots of rental <laughs> income where in the true term of it the majority of landlords are someone in your position who has an opportunity to do something and needs to do it in a certain period of time. And the sensible option, as you said, is to keep hold of your property rather than sell it um, for a short-term move. So becoming a landlord this time around, where did you find the ease, the pain points, the problems? It was fairly easy in one sense, I think. Um the emotional attachments of being my home was, you know, that was kind of gone a bit because we were embarking on a new chapter. So it was something nice and exciting to look forward to. The only stressful thing I found was trying to get two flats ready for tenants to move in whilst trying to find our own to rent. Coordinating that was a slight nightmare. But moving the tenant in, finding the right one, having the place ready, that's all been fairly simple so far. So there's a process to go through. There's the bureaucracy, firstly, of speaking to your management company, your mortgage company, your insurance company, that kind of thing. And as you said, probably the biggest pain at the moment is the opposite. It's really easy to find a tenant for a property. But if you're renting yourself, you put yourself into that same shark tank of having to find something yourself. So maybe as a tenant, how did you find it? How did you find you were treated by letting agents when you were explaining what your plans were and how you were doing it? So interesting, actually. I wasn't quite prepared of how tough it would be to find somewhere to rent. Um, We've got two cats 
and despite it supposed to be a lot easier for people with pets now it's not by and large there's they don't give a reason you can't you know it's just a no I think when you're against 15 other people who don't have any pets you're the bottom of the queue so we had to be quite um I, was, I looked on Facebook Marketplace actually in the end to try and find something and I found a private landlord who still used an agent to find him a tenant but I met the landlord um, personally and I explained our situation that we were both homeowners, what we were doing um, and we both had just started new businesses as well so we, on paper we weren't the best tenants, two cats, um, no real income, we needed a guarantor, that kind of thing. But meeting the owner, we could explain our situation. Um, and I think the fact that we were homeowners renting what was once their home, they're in a way accidental landlords as well. And it all worked out quite well. But yeah, we really had to sort of dig around to try and find something. So it was lucky you met the homeowner to explain yeah. the situation because he was going through an agent, like you said, he wasn't having much luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think finding some common ground whether it be with the agent or with the landlord, is where you can actually build a bridge and a relationship with someone that they see you as a trustworthy person or they see something of you in them. Mm. That means that they actually want to help rather than just push you away. Um, and traditionally, I think what people find with a letting agent is if it doesn't fit the box, yeah. you, they're just going to be a gatekeeper yeah. uh, for you to, to, to struggle to, to progress with. So you managed to find the property finally through through digging and, and, and through meeting people and persuasion. The nitty gritty, the financials, what makes it work for you to rent out your own home and rent as a tenant? It made complete financial sense is the best way to put it. Um, what we pay to rent a two-bedroom house together is still is less than what our combined rental income on our apartments is and we've both got apartments so there are um service charges and grant fees and that kind of thing to consider but yeah it i think we it's about a third um about 30 percent that we save until doing that so it made complete sense to combine the income and rent both out so whilst you're taking the hassle, mm-hmm. financially, you're actually in a stronger position because you're making the profit from two houses and putting that into one, one set of bills, one set of council tax, all of those things that, that work along it. So from a from an investor's perspective, it's actually a, a, good, a good policy to take. Mm. Yeah, very much so. On purpose or by chance? Oh, there was lots of spreadsheets, lots of (laughs) spreadsheets. Mike loves a spreadsheet. Yeah. I think it worked out in actual kind of pounds and pence. We'd end up saving between us about £900 a month on our outgoings, which is a lot. So it was a bit of a no-brainer, actually, when we thought about it. Yeah, it's it's, it's a real success story of how you can utilise a property that is potentially no longer suitable for you. Mm. Um, because, you know, if it was one of you would have moved into the other's property and that kind of thing and, and rented the other, but really utilise that, show the low interest rates that we have at the moment and the high rentals and make that work for you. Um, and the lettings market is littered with these kinds of stories, but they probably get drowned out by the traditional buy-to-let stories and the HMOs and the make money fast 
that the majority of landlords just need to rent out what was potentially their own home in the first place um, in order to get something done because it can't sit empty for six to 12 months, 24 months with a mortgage on it and service charges and, and, and counter taxes. Yeah, no chance. <laughs> so it's, it's a really interesting one. I mean, Tristan, as a frontline letting agent, where do you see people? Do you see people coming in doing this all the time? Do you see people are scared of this kind of situation? I think, with, like you said, with rates being so lo- low at the moment, I think it makes sense for those that are maybe looking to upsize and have considered letting their properties and maybe haven't been able to find in the meantime because the market's been so buoyant for such a long period of time. It could be a great stopgap potentially, for example, moving out until they find somewhere to upsize but continue renting their property out. Um, especially if it's working out profitable for yourself. Yeah. Um, if that's currently their family home, for example, um, letting that out, going into rental for a period of time, because let's be honest, properties that people are looking to upsize to aren't coming up very often. And when they are, you get multiple people offer on it. So um, it, it's certainly something to, to consider. It's something that we are certainly considering longer term as well. I think for us, we had to, for a short period of time, both move into one of the one-bedroom apartments and we were glad that we had somewhere else to go. Um, but having, renting somewhere together, it was a nice common ground for us so that we weren't, one wasn't moving into the other space. And now we're, that's all going well, I'm pleased to report. And we're thinking kind of two, three-year plan of buying somewhere together. Being in rented means that we've got the luxury of being able to decide do we keep both? Do we keep one? Do we sell both before we buy? And it compartmentalises the whole process. I just think at the moment trying to buy and sell at the same time is impossible for a lot of people. So we've kind of got moving into rented, despite the hassle and the admin that goes with it, has given us so many more options to be able to consider. It means you can do these things at your own pace. And we were discussing off camera just how hard it is for people to buy a property at the moment because you can see the same same 10 buyers at two, three, four different open houses and the only person that changes is the person who managed to find or managed to secure the last one does disappears and a new person fills that register in, in, in that sense and people who have got two flats to sell in order to buy a house are just not going to get considered at the moment Unfortunately, it's just too difficult. It's too much hassle for people. So, if you're able to make those decisions and then and then do that one at a time, it will make life much much easier. And that's not to forget, we're talking about a monthly cash flow here, which is beneficial. It helps save, but we're also looking at a capital appreciation on properties because if we rented these two properties six to nine months ago. There's no doubt within that six to nine months of riding the market, you've got two properties both increasing in value. So two properties increasing in value when you're eventually going to look for one or two properties themselves. You're at least keeping up with the market, potentially doubling the market, which again is one of the one of the things that people who are buying to let look for is if you own one property and it's going up in value or well, your next door neighbour's house is also going up in value so you're not actually any further ahead but if you own more than one then you're going to outpace the market and eventually um, use equity to buy a property rather than your own money or borrowings so it's working in, in, in more than one yeah. suit. 
In an absolute worst case scenario, if things don't work out in the relationship, you've got a property to go back still to. Still got somewhere to go back to, <laughs> absolutely. It's, um, well, I've still got it. Let's <laughs> hope Lewis isn't watching or listening <laughs> this far into the conversation for the, for the safety net situation. Um, where, where do you see it, the, the, the situation going long term? Not in your relationship, <laughs> but as a landlord. Yeah. Three to five years down the line. I am... Um, I wouldn't say I've got got the bug, as per se, but it's very nice having a second revenue income stream um, and definitely something I'd like to keep, even in my mind when we're throwing ideas around about what do we do in kind of two, three years when we're ready to buy, do we buy a house or do we stay where we are renting if we can and buy another rental, buy another, you know, buy to let property and start that way. Um, So... It's really opened up my eyes. I'm sure it's not always going to be easy. We're both lucky that they're fairly modern, easy maintenance places. Um, But it's definitely sort of opened our eyes as to whether maybe that's another route to go down. I'd be reluctant to ever let mine go now. I'd never move back into it, hopefully. But, yeah, I'd be reluctant to give that up as as a revenue income or anything. It's an interesting topic of whether you actually need to own the home that you live in or whether you use your money elsewhere in order to pay for that to live for free um it's a totally different situation but a similar story i lived overseas for nine months um a long time ago um in my 20s and i had two properties rented out and i managed to fund my way basically around the world on rental income and interest-only mortgages, whereas other people were scrimping and saving in $5 a night hostels, I found that by the end of the month, I hadn't actually spent anything because I was living in a slightly different economic climate <laughs> to, to the UK where, where prices were lower. <clears throat> but if you can have three buy-to-let properties paying the rent on your property to where you're free, then it's a, it's a really interesting method of doing things that a lot of people wouldn't look at, Tristan. Well, it's a win-win situation, like you said. It's, it goes back to one of our other podcasts, actually with yourself, where you said about exactly that topic, that you use the, the cash flow from the rental property to pay for the nice things that you have in life, your car and so forth. So if you can do it, why not? It's it, At least explore the option. So I think, as we said, buy-to-let isn't a straightforward, I've got 50k in the bank, so I'll look for a one-bedroom property, rent it out, and hopefully make some money off it. There's different ways of skinning a cat, which we shouldn't say because then it's got to. Um, so we keep the skin on the cat. But it is an interesting, interesting topic of you don't specifically have to go out and buy a property to rent. You can leave the property that you're currently in and then go and buy somewhere else. You can look, you can rent yourself and use the equity to buy different properties. If that is something that actually triggers your imagination or some options for you, as ever, contact Tristan at the Landlord page or myself, Mike. Hopefully I have my voice back by then. We look forward to hearing from you. If you're listening, please drop a comment on the uh, on any of our socials or on our podcasts and we'll get straight back to you. Until next time, I'm Mike, that's Tristan, and thanks, Ellen, for being our guest. Thanks for having me. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube 
that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agent's ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year, yeah. but why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax, and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast, and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.